Amen. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Chuck and Taryn. Uh, power bombs coming through the screen, eh? <laughs> well, we'll soon uh, see about that. And uh, it's so beautiful, isn't it, just to hear the diversity of how God is moving across our church and beyond all the wonderful things that he's been doing. I read something the other day that a group of Israeli um, ophthalmologists are developing eye drops that can um, rectify eyesight. I mean, how what an incredible development uh, that is. Uh, sign me up uh, ASAP. You know, the, the, over the last year, we've done so much screen time. My eyesight is definitely going, so I have to keep using my old glasses. Um, but we're surrounded, aren't we, with unbelievable developments and technology that enhances our lives, and, and it can do so much good. And then there are other times, maybe not so, um, a couple, well, actually a week ago, I was upstairs in my lounge and um, I just put telly on and I was, on, I was on YouTube and I was trying to find a particular person who was doing a talk. And uh, every time I put in the search bar his name, uh, gobbledygook would just keep coming up and finding weird stuff on YouTube. I was like, what is going on here? So I, I'm not the best at technology. So I asked my 18-year-old India to come and give me a hand. She came and she took my phone and would try to do this search. And then suddenly um, it came up, hey, Indy, nice top. And she totally freaked out. And it was like, whoa, somebody's watching us. Uh, what's going on here? And we were like, whoa, this is all really odd and weird. And then suddenly we heard the sniggering on the stairs outside. Victoria, my wife, and my youngest, Xanthia, got their phones out and were hijacking the search and uh, putting ridiculous stuff in and, and, and completely threw me in India. Honestly, it was absolutely hilarious. I'm sure that none of this kind of stuff happens in, in your families. But we live, don't we, in an enhanced environment by technology that changes and, ha and can change the sort of how we live. But does it and has it really changed who we really are? It is Easter Sunday. And uh, it's, the, it's the moment we're celebrating the event that our faith has been built on. It's the foundational truth um, that, that Jesus was resurrected, that the resurrection of Jesus is the proof that Jesus said who he, he, who he claimed to be, that he is the Son of God. And more than that, that everything that he said, everything that he taught is actually dependable. And when we apply it to our lives Life comes to us. It, it proves to us that there is life after this life. This is amazing good news. In fact, even more than that, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians says this. He says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in those that believe. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is now at work in those that believe. That is amazing. Let's just get our head around that truth. It's like there's been an explosion in the past. And the power of that explosion in the past, the ripples of it, the aftershock are coming through time and space and can affect you and me. It's like a power portal that we now access. 
my brain's like all up, like what? That means life can be different because of what happened at Easter Sunday those many years ago. I don't know where you are at today, but today is the big day. It's a big day of hope. In fact, actually, it's the biggest day. This day transforms everything. And we need to somehow, and I want to pray today that as I speak, we somehow grasp a fresh understanding of what has actually happened at Easter. And so we're going to open the Bible. And, uh, and I appreciate that for many people watching today, this, is, might be your, this might be your first kind of Easter. You might be journeying with us. You might have done an Alpha course. It's all brand new. But for many people who are listening today, this is familiar territory. But let's slow down and let's enter into the sort of disciples' air. Let's breathe in their, yes, at times, shock and horror and then the incredible joy. Let's enter into the story and let's not miss some details. Because as we do this, as we look at the Easter people, I guarantee we're going to find ourselves as well. We're going to see something of ourselves in these characters. So if you've got a Bible or you've been able to download it uh, uh, on an app, we're going to be in John's Gospel. We're going to read from uh, the end of chapter 19. And, and Jesus has died. He shouted, it's finished on the cross. And that's what Friday was all about. And if you joined us on Friday, we had the most extraordinary uh, Good Friday service here. And Libby and Julie and the team did an extraordinary job. But it leaves us standing with Mary, Jesus's mom, Mary Magdalene and John looking at the cross and seeing that Jesus has died. And he's saying it's finished. It's over. But is it? Let's pick up the story. In verse 38 of 19, it says this. And then later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, 75 pounds of it. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it and with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. That was Friday. Saturday was a quiet day. It's like the world was in lockdown. Chapter 20, early on the first day of the week. While it was still dark, Mary Madeline went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other dis disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in. The strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. 
Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separated from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb also went inside. He saw and believed. But they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Oh. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brother's. And tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, that he had said these things to her. Wow, what a weekend. What I love about this, and I love how John describes the events of this weekend, is this. When Jesus is on the cross and he says, it's finished. It's like the introduction of our first character. It's like something else is going on. Jesus, is di Jesus dies and in his death, he calls out to some people and he begins to draw people to himself. You know, the first characters that we meet are secret believers. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. It says there that Nicodemus previously had gone to speak with Jesus under the cover of night, under the cover of darkness. He'd come to him to go in to try to work out, is this Jesus really who he says he is? He's having this conversation with Jesus in the dark. Do you know, I want to say to you today, how many of us are Nicodemuses? How many of us have had conversations with Jesus in the dark? How many of us have come to him when no one else is around, asking the important questions, where are you, who are you? And it's under the cover of dark. Maybe for some of us, God has spoken. He has said some things. It seems like here that the death of Jesus the, uh, and the, the hidden conversations in the dark of the night has come back to the surface with Nicodemus and now with the death of Jesus. He cannot stay in the shadows any longer. He cannot stay in the night. He cannot be a secret believer any longer. He has to come into the light. Wow. Jesus calls to us in this way. I had a friend of mine, she told me how she was having a really tough time of it. She wouldn't have called herself a Christian, but in the dark of the night, she was wrestling and she began to cry out to God, I, if you're there, I need you. I think she even said, Jesus, please meet with me. And in the darkness and under the cover of night, 
It was like she describes the peace, a peace that she just didn't even understand. She'd never felt before. It was a peace like no, no other had come into that room where she was and began to lift her up. Wow. Maybe that's happened to you. But what we see here is that when day comes for Nicodemus in the, in, in the past, it's like the peer pressure of position and reputation kind of presses down the truth of that hidden conversation at night. And he's pressed it down and he's kept quiet. But as Jesus dies, it brings him out. Maybe that's your, where you're at today. I just want to say, the first characters that we meet in this Easter conversation, in this Easter moment, are secret believers. And maybe for you and me, Jesus wants to call us out. When we see the sacrifice, when we see the truth, when the truth that he's put in our lives in the hidden place comes to the surface. And that's what is happening here. That's what seems to be happening here. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And maybe that's you. And there's an opportunity to embrace Jesus a little bit later on. But let's keep reading. What, who else do we meet? In 20, uh, it says, Early on the first day of the week, here is Mary Magdalene. And as soon as it's dawn, she's up and she's out and she's running to the tomb under the cover of darkness. Uh, and then what does she find? That, that death is no longer there. Jesus' body is missing. So what does she do? There's a lot of running back and forward in this story. I tell you what, everyone's getting fit on Easter day. And she runs back to Peter and John. And then Peter and John run back to the tomb. And it says there, as they look in, they see that the strips are linen, but the body is missing. And I love the way that John says it. He, it says there um, that they looked again and they believed. What did they believe in that moment? Well, they believed that the body was missing. What we see in Peter and John is an invite to investigate. Maybe you've got a friend who's become a Christian and has been like, wow, the tomb is empty, dudes. God is real. You need to check it out for yourself. I remember when I was about 17 years old, uh, I met a guy, his name was James as well. And uh, James had done, let's say, some paper rounds. He was a real character. Um, he was known in, the, in a particular area of Scotland for poaching and fast driving and drinking and also and just a tough guy fighter and he'd had an encounter with Jesus that was really powerful his life had been transformed I remember having a conversation with James and I remember as James told me his story I as a 17 year old was like I need to find out if this Jesus who's changed this James so radically is really real I need to go and find out. And so it took me on a journey. Over the last 30 days, on our Facebook account at Catalyst Vineyard, we have been posting stories of transformation. People from all across our site have been telling their stories of how they've come to know Jesus. That the Jesus who was risen from that tomb has invaded their lives and changed them. And some have come from tough backgrounds, from, from, from uh, life-controlling addictions and having like major moments and others where it's been like a, a romance and it's like they've fallen in love with this Jesus and their lives have begun to change. Others where wives have invited them to church and they've had moments where they've just gone, 
oh my, it feels like I'm just coming home. It's like their hearts are suddenly in sync with heaven in a way that they never knew was possible. All of this stuff. I want to encourage you. Go and have a listen. Because it's like when Mary comes to Peter and John and says the tomb is empty, they're running to the tomb, begs us. In fact, it compels us to go and find out. This could be the most important investigation of your life. Because if he is alive, then the consequences of that are incredible. And so maybe you're a Peter and a John. Let's, let's carry on with the story because what goes on here is, it says there then that the disciples leave. And then what does it say? That Mary stays. Mary stays. And uh, I love Mary. Mary's love for Jesus holds her at the empty tomb. You know, uh, or maybe she just needed a breather because of all the running about that's been happening. Um, But I don't think so. I think, no, when you're forgiven big, you love big. And actually, you grieve big. Mary had encountered Jesus in a really powerful way. And what I love about this is that out of all the people that Jesus could have come to first, He comes to Mary. Mary is the first person that Jesus reveals himself to. She's the first person that sees the resurrected Christ. I wonder why that is. I think a couple of reasons. I think one, Mary had had a hell of a time, a hellish time. She'd had a really tough time. You know, it says, it doesn't say a huge amount about her in the Bible, but what it does say is that she had um, been controlled by darkness. Her life had been restricted in a really horrible way. And when Jesus had come by one day, he had set her free. His voice had shifted and pushed out all of the darkness and the controlling stuff in her life. I remember uh, a couple of years ago... um, I have the privilege of taking people sometimes on mission trips to different places in the world. And we were uh, in Asia, and uh, a friend of mine, we, we took this guy called Andy. Andy was from Northern Ireland, and uh, my Northern Irish accent's rubbish, by the way. <laughs> but, but, but he was a really tough guy, and, um, you know, and he'd come, become a Christian quite recently. And so we were in this particular church meeting in a really rural part um, and, uh, and, and people were coming forward for prayer. And, and, and Andy, you know, he was pretty nervous about the whole thing. And he was new to faith. But, but somebody grabbed Andy and said, would you come and pray with this man? There was this man there who was agitated. And actually, he was agitated because he'd been an alcoholic most of his life. And it was really tough. And as this man began to tell Andy his story... Andy began to cry. Andy began to weep of this tough stuff that this man had experienced. And Andy, in true Andy form, he didn't realize really what he was doing, but he just went forward and he grabbed this guy and gave him a massive hug. And as he was hugging him, he was sobbing over him. Andy didn't realize, but as he was sobbing over him, the power of God was moving in his life. And guess what? That man was set free. 
The man was set free. We saw that man three days later. It was like he was a different man. He'd gone home. He'd slept solidly. He'd eaten food. And he said, I've not had a drop to drink. I feel different. And he looked different. Wow. That was Mary. And I just wonder, you know what? But maybe there's more to Mary's story than this. I think I wonder if if the reason why Jesus came to Mary and showed himself to Mary is actually because, you see, what Jesus did in life, he also does in the resurrection. He gives people who didn't have a place in this life a place in his kingdom. He gave people who didn't have a voice, he gives them a voice. People who had no people and family and were ostracized. Jesus comes along and he gives them a family and a place to be. Jesus links all of this together in the life of Mary. She was a mess. But Jesus came to her and he comes to her here in the resurrection moment. I wonder where you are today. You see, he, he and I love that moment. He then just speaks her name. Why? Because he knows Mary. He knew her in the darkness, and now he knows her here at the tomb. He calls her name, and it's like, wow, it's like being born again, again. It's like it's a new day for Mary, and it's a new day for you and for me. He knows us. I was walking down on the beach this morning just praying, and looking at all these pebbles, and there was this one pebble that stood out, this pebble, this white pebble. It was like, whoa, this is how Jesus sees you and me. He doesn't see the dirt and the mess and the rubbish. And let's be honest, we all get into that stuff for lots of different reasons, and lots of the time, not our fault. But sometimes it is. But Jesus, the beauty about Jesus, he looks beyond it and he sees who we really are and who he's made us to be. And he calls us by name and he calls us into a relationship. I'm so excited about that. That's what's going on here at the tomb. And so maybe you're feeling like Mary. Wow. And here's the crazy thing. That's the the Easter people. But uh, where's all of this happening? It's happening in a garden. Did you notice that? It says that where Jesus died, Where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and a garden and a new tomb. And then there's a moment where where Mary looks and speaks to the gardener and doesn't realize it's actually Jesus. Maybe she got it way more right than she realized. But here we are. John is trying to say something. That all of this Easter resurrection and power, there is a reversal of something going on. And it's all happening in a garden. The great reversal, the great moment of of history being written and humanity's hearts being restored is happening in the garden. And the reason why is because in another garden at the beginning of time where man took Jesus in this garden, gave where man tried to hold on to life and self and, and, and moved into selfishness, Jesus does the reverse. He sacrifices himself. He gives himself. Where humanity brought sin and death and broke the synergy, the relationships, and the beauty between man and God, they broke it. But here in this garden, Jesus is restoring it. He's pulling down the barriers. He's re, re, um, uh, reversing the power of that moment. And so we see Mary and Jesus embracing. 
That's what's going on in this garden. It's powerful. I remember when I was a young lad, and I might have told this story before. I want to wrap up pretty quickly. But um, this story of when I was a kid, my dad uh, um, took a group of pupils from the school that I was in, in India, and to the plains of India for an activity week. It was in the mid-80s. And while he was away, Mrs. Indra Gandhi was shot. The Prime Minister of India was shot. And the entire nation erupted in violence. And suddenly, we were separated from my dad. And we didn't hear a thing. We didn't know what had happened. We didn't know if they, if they were alive, what had gone on. There was curfews in place. And the weeks went by. And then I remember... I mean, it must have been, it was tough for us as kids. It must have been agony for my mum. But I remember I was stood in the junior quadrangle of the school playing a game, and I heard a, a jeep come in through the gates. And as I looked up, I saw my dad stepping out of the jeep. And I saw him, and I just took off. I was probably about nine or ten years old. You see, I'd been separated from dad, but dad had returned. And now I was running full speed towards him. And, and because I was so focused on dad, I didn't see the step. And I clipped the step, and I went flying headlong. Fortunately, my dad's a big lad, and he caught me in his arms. And I just remember bursting into tears, my dad is back. Listen, the Easter story and what is going on in the garden is that. We have been separated from our Father in heaven by sin and death. And Jesus has reversed the whole thing so we can have a relationship with him and to be known as sons and daughters again. How cool, how amazing is that? And so this is what's happened in the garden. And then from the garden, I want to land on this image. This image of purpose. There is purpose in Easter because we land with Mary seeing Jesus. And then what does she do? True to her nature, dives and grabs a hold of him. Uh, you'll be missing and now you're here. I'm going to hold on. And what does Jesus? He simply says, do not hold on for me, onto me. I've not yet returned to the Father, but go and tell your brothers. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell what's happened here. You see, guys, the purpose of the Easter story is this, that God wants to do something in us, and then he wants to do something through us. And so we leave this garden. We don't stay in the but we take what's happened in the garden, and we go into the world, and we're an Easter people with a purpose to say that Jesus is risen. The power of the cross is available. Forgiveness is here. And the power to live a life like Jesus's is available to all of us. That's incredible. Are you a Nicodemus? Have you been hiding? Are you a Peter and a John? Have you been looking and seeking? Are you a Mary with mess? But Jesus knows you. Today is a new day. And it's a new day for you, for me, and for the world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for Easter. We thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you, God, that you raised him from the dead, as, not just as a sign, but a reality that life can begin again and something brand new and with new purpose in you. We become the people you've called us to be. 
Holy Spirit, would you meet with us in our journey today? Amen.